Welcome back, my friends. Before we get into tonight's show, I wanted to cover some of the cool stuff that we have coming up. May 1st, I'll be supporting the show at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. This is a huge opportunity to be a vendor at one of the premier conferences held at Salt Fork State Park. June 3rd through the 5th, we'll be crossing over with Hide and Seek Archives podcast to bring you a series of shows based on observations and evidence collected during that weekend's investigation of Huron Manistee National Forest, smack dab in the middle of Michigan. July 30th, I'll again be supporting the show at this year's Michigan Bigfoot Conference in Chelsea, Michigan. And then I'll be hosting my own conference, Bigfoot and Brews, on September 10th in the Sister Lakes region of Dwajak, Michigan. The setting for the event will be the Sister Lakes Brewing Company. This will be in recognition of the Dewey Lakes Monster Sighting of 1964. It will be a full day of Bigfoot edification for enthusiasts and novices alike. Guest speakers will include Ron Moorhead, James Lady, Val Zalvala, and John from my episode two and three in his first speaking engagement ever. Head over to bigfootandbrews.com for all the available info. Tickets are on sale now. In the ticket section, you'll find options for vendors' applications and even a sponsor's option. If you're able and you'd like to help support this event financially, you can do it there or you can email me directly at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Please, please rate and review us on Apple and iTunes and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. Now, let's get into tonight's show. Doing that, I was face-to-face with it. It was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is Uncomfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight from mid-lower Michigan, our guest, Rob, is sitting with us 
this information came to me via the uh, wonderful Val Valvala. Quite honestly, this this topic of, of Bigfoot and Sasquatch in, in Michigan, it, it doesn't fail to surprise me with the amount of incidents that are going on in this state. And you know, typically the show is, is about all high strangeness, all high paranormal all paranormal. And as you all know, I'm a big fan of the Bigfoot subject. And I'm not gonna turn away from any of these subjects. And yes, I'll be hosting a Bigfoot conference in September in in Dwajak, Michigan. And I guess this kind of carries into into why why I decided to, to pick up this topic as heavily as I have as of late. Uh, because I think it's I think it's pertinent to get this information out to people who think that these things only take place in the Pacific Northwest or in the swamps of Everglades down in Florida or in Ohio. Um, this is a very real thing that's going on in, in the state of Michigan. And uh, Rob, if you would, let's uh, walk us into your experiences here. Okay. Where, where exactly, uh, uh, not exactly, but where, where in the state are you located? Southern Lower Jackson County, Michigan. Southern Lower Jackson. Uh, the lower part of Jackson County, Michigan. Okay. And what, what, what's been going on in that area? When did it um, the first the first time it started was when right before I bought the property off my in-laws back in 88 uh, the first incident happened in 1990 during deer season with my sister-in-law we pulled into the, the property and uh, we got out loaded up and was about to uh, cross the river to get into the back part of the property that's when we heard a guttural growl. And my sister-in-law says, that's, that's no animal I ever heard of. That was the first experience. But the uh, first time I've experienced footprints and so on happened after, we, uh, after I bought the property and we cleared the back part of the property and made it into a woodland. You know, got rid of all the nasty brush and so on. That's when all the sightings started. After uh, after we cleared out the pro, uh, brush in ninety one ninety two, can you give us an idea of the the piece of property? I mean, how how big of a land? Uh, land it's ten point nine acres. It's ten point nine acres. There's uh, the headwaters of the Kalamazoo River cuts the property in half. There's a lake uh, to the west uh, on the property. And in front of front of the house is another river uh, branch of the Kalamazoo River, and I face uh, my house faces up towards uh, the community that I live in. So mm-hmm. it's a little town, uh, un, unincorporated town, and um, so neighbors are not right. There's on a lot top of traffic. Of yeah, we're not really on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the area that I live in is considered farmland. Uh, there's Farmers field to the west, south, north, and east of me. It's basically around me. You know, it's a natural uh, farming area. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, 
first uh, evidence I've had uh, of in, uh, physical evidence knowing there was Bigfoot on the property was a, several footprints in the, the month. You know, after we cleared out the property, there was no grass down at the end yet, at the far end yet. So you you see a lot of deer tracks and rabbit tracks. And all of a sudden I found on the property line from the swamp going towards uh, heading south towards another neighbor's property, you can see a couple footprints. And over the years, I saw more and more footprints. They were ranging from the size of 15 by 8 uh, to at least 21 inches. Oh, my word. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, my first physical encounter with one was uh, with a uh, juvenile male I uh, nicknamed Junior. Now he's an adult, and, and, uh, and I see him once in a while. He doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, when he, uh, I was mowing down back in what, 19, no, 2005, um, in a little isolated area where I was mowing at, I didn't realize I was standing right next to him until I looked up and he was six feet from me. He was six foot tall, estimated, uh, weighed around 400 pounds. He was, he was massive for his size. Um, I froze, scared, scared out of my mind. I didn't want to back away and run and have it attack me. So I held, stood my ground while he was doing the uh, barest piece, and he just uh, melted back into the brush. And you know, over the years, I've seen adults, you know, over the years crossing the property when I'm down back, cutting wood, trees down, that we needed to clear. And uh, most of the time that will bring them their curiosity than aggression. Um, and there was another time, in 19, my first time I ever seen a very young juvenile was in April of 19, uh, 2019, right before the pandemic. Uh, I was cutting a cherry tree that, that was hanging over onto my property from a neighbor's property. And I looked up, and here's this little three, four-foot-tall bipedal creature just ran through the brush where the swamp is between myself and the river. And uh, it just booked. I mean, it ran. You know, you could see it was bipedal. It was brown in co- colors. So I, I knew there was... Uh, and I saw that, I knew the parents were around because when you see one individual, you, there's usually two or three. Yeah. They they move through my property. It's a natural highway, you know, because of the food sources, the water, you know, you know, they grab they move through the property and then they go into other parts of their territory, which I think the territory is pretty massive considering the amount of uh, individuals I've seen over the years. I've seen that at least maybe 12 individuals over the years, 12 individuals both, that you uh, can, both genders that you can tell there's, there's defining differences. Yeah. Now let me, the ask females you, are, I'm sorry. Let me ask you, um, you know, with that first experience being six feet away from them, um, yeah. I understand that you're, you know, you're probably filling your drawers at that point. And, yeah. but 
you know, with being that close, can you give me a, a good description of, of what yeah, that, sure. that six foot juvenile looked like? Uh, it was, um, it was eight like face, no uh, sagittal crest on the top. It was like a round head, uh, um, uh, eight, uh, chimpanzee human crossbreed. I wouldn't call it crossbreed, but you know, something between human and chimp. What about face, the nose? Do you remember what the flat, nose, flat, flat, but, but hooded like ours rather yeah. than like a chimp? Yeah, it's a little, it was sort of flat, but it had our pronounced nose. Yeah. Mm. It was muscular. Um, the hair was, uh, I wouldn't call it dense, but it was, uh, um, short, brownish black. Um, had, it definitely had canine teeth because it bared its teeth at me, you know, and, a a primate aggressive behavior. I, I, uh, learned over the years that was it. And, uh, and that scared me crapless. So I, I wouldn't go down there for weeks on end, but after, you know, I got over my initial fear, I went back down there and, and then I noticed there was more individuals over the years, you know, both male and females, uh, males, um, usually tend to uh, group together as a family unit. Um, usually a dominant male with two subordinate males, maybe an offspring. Uh, I in um, I know I'm jumping around, but... Oh, you're fine. kind of hard to put dates on some things, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I put them... Uh, there was one time I was sitting in a deer blind. Um, this is the first time I've seen a female, a female juvenile. I was sitting, uh, it was dawn, you could, it was a clear day, bright sunny day in the morning. I looked across the, uh, into my neighbor's property. I could see the female, the juvenile female, standing right on the edge of, uh, the, uh, of the cornfield. She was just standing there watching. Not, I don't think she knew I was there, but she was watching the other, the the neighbors, the uh, hunters on their land. I, I sat there and watched her for 15, 20 minutes, just standing there, and then she backed away and melted into the, the brush. This is a typical behavior around here. Is they'll follow the hunters. They won't attack the hunters. They they're more interested in snagging a quick meal, you know, yeah. during the fall. Uh, Another incident happened about 15, 20 years ago in a different uh, deer blind. I was in a uh, deer stand we made for my father-in-law, and he couldn't climb up it anymore due to poor health. So I, I was sitting there uh, just uh, scoping out the uh, what, uh, what deer are coming through. I wasn't even actually hunting at the time. I just wanted to see the lay of the land and what, what's coming in. I heard this ruckus right behind me, and there was a, on a neighbor's property, I had a clear view of it, a seven-foot-tall male standing by a little pine tree. And I'm like, I watched it for a few minutes, so I said, okay, he's just waiting for something. And here comes these two deer. They were scared. They were scared. And they ran past my deer blind. 
I looked in the direction where they came from. Here's two more Bigfoots just basically driving them towards the other one. And I heard a ruckus, and I turned around, and I didn't see the Bigfoot. But all I heard was a couple thuds, and that was it. I knew it took, it took both deer down. That was that was the first time I ever seen Bigfoot actually hunting at that time in an organized manner. They, there was there yeah, was purpose behind. It was organized. You could tell it was organized. It was like you know, two driving, one with pack. You know, that's you know, amazing. So, um, give you a little funny incident. Uh, one hunting season back in the late. Now, right before my late wife died, we uh, I we uh, harvested a deer. We processed it, and we always throw the the remains back in the brush, you know, for the animal. So I put it out in the open a little bit by this little, you know, where we uh, dug up some dirt for uh, filling in holes in other part of the property. So there was a lot of meat uh, meat between the uh, ribs and so on, and. I didn't give it much thought. The next day, it was gone. And coyotes don't drag uh, something like that off like that around here. So, okay, something grabbed it. I figured the Bigfoot did. Next day, the following day, after I went, I, I was, uh, went back hunting after this incident, and I found, found the carcass where I had it before clean. I mean, all the bones were picked clean. And they left the uh, left a leg bone, a part of the leg, in the uh, on a, a tall piece of uh, spindly brush, and left it right there where I could see it. So they returned. So I knew that. So they returned it they to the place. It. They returned it to the place yeah, that you had originally it. put it out. Yeah. But then they left a Plus marker left the leg bone. and left mm-hmm. the leg bone. So, so it was, yeah. uh, Hey, look at mm-hmm. notices. Yep. Yeah. And I also had experiences with, uh, smelling them. Um, I told Val about the incident toward the house last year when I was cutting up wood, where it smelled like somebody had a bad bathroom break. You know, I, I could tell the difference between cattle because, I you know, I could smell it during certain times of the year, and that wasn't it. It smelled really god-awful. Scared the crap out of me because it was it was radiating from across the channel from the house in the brush, and the brush is maybe about 75 feet from where I'm sitting right now, mm-hmm. and you could smell it. And that scared the crap out of me. And years before that, I smelled the same smell in two different locations in the far back, in two different locations within a period of five minutes. It didn't migrate. It just stayed. The smell stayed. And then you walk away from it to another spot, maybe 150 feet from that, and there's another spot that smelled like it. Do you think that's so I knew a- there was do you think that that smell is is something that they produce, or is that just, yeah. or is that just their their rank body odor and? No, I think they produce it. I think they produce it. 
to let you know they're there. You're you're maybe doing something that they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, they were getting closer to the house. Uh, that was one incident last year. Right before my father-in-law passed away um, four years ago, uh, there was that footprint that was found up on the top part of my drive uh, near the driveway um, at 15 by eight inch. You could see it was, it stepped into the dirt where my tires spun out because of being uh, during the winter where I was parked at. But in the spring, it never grew over. So it somehow it just stepped right on the right spot at the right time. Mm-hmm. And you and it was, I measured it 15 by eight. You can see it all five toes. I knew it had to be a juvenile because I told my sister all that she saw the picture and she says, yeah, uh, your nephews and nieces been said they seen something standing by a, a pine tree on the other side of the property. And, uh, when they were visiting one night you know, and they were scared and I like blew it off. I'm like, then when that footprint happened, I said, okay, I know they were telling the truth. You know, now with they you described having... it as a dark, a dark man, like creature, you know, standing where our uh, white pine trees are. So. Yeah. So with, with having going by what you said, with having seen a, a small, uh, a small juvenile and then yeah. what you, you made an assessment of that, that, that first one you saw you thought was a, a juvenile as well at six foot. Yeah. And then you've seen the, the large males and large females. Uh, yeah. Any defining differences is, as far as scale and mass, you know, like the, the little one that you saw take off running through the woods, did it have considerable more mass than we would assume like a, a small child would? Or? It, was a little, it was a little bigger than a normal human child. Yeah. Uh, but I only had, I only saw it for five seconds. I, you know, I was taking a break. I looked up and I saw it running through the, you know, the swamp. Um, that was the first time I ever seen a small one. The, the females that I've seen, adults usually range about seven, six and a half, seven foot tall. They're, they're not as, Matt, uh, muscularly built like the males are, but they tend to be more shyer, uh, shy away from humans. The ones around here, they, they seem to try to stay away from humans as much as possible. If they know you and you didn't cause them trouble, they'll just let you know that they're in the area. The adults are, um, when um, we first built the, a cabin by, on the, by our lake for my father-in-law, you know, so he could, you know, get away from the house and spend some time down back. Uh, when we were building that, uh, when he, uh, and, and uh, I would look up every once in a while and see, you know, the males and females playing uh, what I call hide and seek. You, uh, if you see us, that's fine, you know, we're going to play hide-and-seek, you know, you have to find us, you know. That that was a little game they were playing along the, the neighbor's property, but they stopped doing that after one summer. 
they, you know, just to let you know they were in the area. Yeah. Um, when I'm down back during the summertime, we have blueberry bushes. We have apple trees down there, you know, wild ones. So there's a natural food source, uh, blackberries, you name it. You know, there's a ton of resources they could eat, you know, during, you know, seasonal. And then what, two sources so of they, water, you said? Yeah, uh, there's uh, the Kalamazoo River, the headwaters, and, and the little tiny lake they can drink out of. I've seen footprints and actually saw handprints on the ground down by the, the cabin. Have you ever, um, um, have you ever casted any of the prints or anything? Uh, I, the, I, I bought some, uh, plaster Paris one time, but I could never get a good, good enough print. You know what I mean? So, uh, like I, like I was saying about the, um, you know, when we cleared out the back part of the property before it all grassed up and made it into a woodland, um, the only way you could see the uh, footprint is because it rained, you know, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, and the dirt down there is hard as a brick. So it, you, it's in certain spots. So it's kind of like you'd be lucky if you see, um, footprints, uh, I'll give you an example. One time after a, we had a heavy rain and I just wanted to walk down with my dog, you know, just to walk around. And I, you could see uh, where a Bigfoot was standing because of all the, uh, like the, uh, little twigs and pieces of, uh, uh, vegetation that would flow, flow down, you know, down naturally. You could see the outline of the print, but not, it wasn't deep because it was maybe a, less than a centimeter down, maybe because of the hardness, even it, during the rain yeah but towards the the ground is so soft that even if you could make a print you know a cast it would be mang you'll mangle it before you even you know could yeah because it's so soft and, and there's a lot of springs around that lake um i wish i made the cast that eight uh 15 by eight up by the top of the drive so and that was right next to another pine tree. And um, I uh, I theorize that the juveniles are hunting, crossing, you know, during the night when there's less traffic on the road near my, uh, right in front of my house. And they're just using it as a open highway. Do you think your you know, property from, is, is transitional for them? Are they, are, li are they living part off? of their seasonal are they living off your property or on your property? I think they're traveling through the property Yeah, as part of their migration route. I think there's so much food abundance. You know, you got the field, uh, farmers growing corn. You got the deer. You got, it would naturally uh, bring out the deer. You got squirrel. You got rabbit. You got a whole host of, of, um, of food. You don't see them too much during the wintertime because I think they, they migrate to another part of their territory. I think they are territorial in this area um, because you, it, once you get to, if you see the same individuals over and over and over again, you know, you know they're they're in the area and they're staying in the area. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I was going to ask you if there was a if there was a pattern to the 
the uh, the seasons that you you had more experiences than not? Uh, it's usually from uh, March until af- after uh, the late season uh, deer season. Then you don't see it hiding their hair of them until until uh, springtime. You know when the thaw comes. Yeah. Oh, they're aggressive, very aggressive. Not towards humans, but the, you can. When you get down back, say like October, November, March, April, you you know, walk you walk down back and you you feel like you're not welcome there. You know, it's just an like, overwhelming feeling. Yeah, and when you go down back, you got to keep your head on a swivel because if you see one, you better make sure they're not on either side of you. You know. Do you do you think that that's something that they in in some way produce, or do you think that that's because of a, a higher concentration, a higher number of them in an area that it just becomes very apparent? I, I think it's a higher number. I think their numbers are growing. Um, there's a hot spot um, west, uh, not west, but um, east of me. It's a very big hot spot. It's a state-owned land that I know it's a hot spot. I've seen footprints out there before. Um, the Waterloo uh, Recreational Area, mm-hmm. that that's injected in the neighboring county. And uh, a friend of mine asked me to go out with him. He wanted to take his uh, investigative team out there, and he knew me, you know, so he says, why don't you go out there with us and see what you see? I said, you, were, you know, when we got to the spot where he wanted to investigate, I said, you got a hot spot here. And I said, I'm not going in. Yeah. And he says, why? I said, well, from what I've seen, uh, you have at least 12, in, uh, 12 adults and five juveniles of ranging in all sizes. And it's wintertime. And I don't want to mess with it. Do you think yeah. you think that you know with with the winter coming, and mm-hmm. like you said, your experiences on your property um, mm-hmm. kind of tapering off after the after the deer season is is ended? Yeah. Um, do you think they're t- you think they're taking advantage of hunters being in the woods and capitalizing on on kills before the hunters yeah. can can get their yeah their quarry? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I watched what, uh, one time I was, uh, I had, uh, problems with one neighbor that, uh, owns part of the farm, uh, to my uh, west. And I, I was sitting in a deer blind, ground blind, and I watched him and a couple others, you know, try to make it to their blind so you could see their flashlights. So I see three pairs of, I just following him at a, at a, I wouldn't say close, but just close enough where they're just keeping an eye on him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't warn him because I didn't feel like, you know, um, getting involved with whatever was going on, you know, so, but I know they follow, uh, follow hunters. Um, and they would, uh, I've seen a, a spot where, I believe it was a uh, 
observation post for them, you know, so they can see where the hunters are, see what direction they're going to shoot at, make sure they're away from the firing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them follow uh, people before, but not, but not, I haven't been hunting in the last couple of years because I lost the, the, I wouldn't say pays for hunting is just that I was doing it for my father-in-law when he was sick and now he's passed away and I just lost, you know, lost interest. Yeah. But I still like being down there. So with and, your, uh, with your experiences, I assume you've probably seen these things in the night. Um, yeah. Can you describe, yeah. uh, are you seeing eye shine? If so, yeah, what, I've seen what? eye shine. I've seen, I've seen the juvies, uh, juvie, uh, eye shine through, uh, the back, uh, the kitchen window and the dining room window facing out towards the brush on my neighbor's property, and which, which is only about 25 feet from the, 25, 35 feet from the house. And what color I've is I've seen that? their eyes shine from the lights from the neighbor, neighbor's uh, houses. And what color, uh, what color eye shine are you seeing? Yellow, to, uh, mainly yellow. Yeah. And it's usually six around the five, five and a half to six and a half foot tall range because every, you know, most of the brush is about seven, eight foot tall. So if, if you subtract maybe two feet, you know, two feet down from the top of the brush, then uh, you can see, uh, know the height. Um, they don't leave too much. Uh, um, they don't leave their presence. You know, like footprints, not, not footprints, but breaking brush or anything. But, uh, but you can see where we piled up the brush, you know, after we cleared up, you know, during the fall, uh, bringing all our spring clean up and everything. Of all the trees that lose limbs, we just throw them in the brush. That's where they're standing and watching. And there's also deer trails that come out of the swamp or brush, a neighbor's brush. And, uh, I, and they naturally follow those deer trails on into the open in front of my house and then back through other broad, uh, swampy area on the other side of my property between myself and another neighbor's property. Now, um, give me an idea. How many years have you been experiencing these things on your property? Uh, I'd say mainly from 1990 until present time. The most recent one was a few weeks ago. I came home from work. I worked third shift. So I came home about 7 o'clock. It was sort of dark yet. I had to get some wood out of the barn, which is about 100 feet from the house, west of the house. And I went into the, I was heading towards the barn to get the wood and load it up in the wheelbarrow. Here's this large shadow. It wasn't from the uh, traffic or anything. It was human silhouette stood there and then darted right into the into the brush. It didn't make a sound going into the brush. It just seemed like it just you could hear it running and that take two or three steps and it and you didn't hear anything else. That was the that was 
really scary because I did not like the feel of being in the dark with something that massive. Yeah. So I don't mind it during the daytime where, you know, I could see you and you could see me, but I must have scared it because it was, I think it was trying to get a drink out of the, uh, the channel by the, by the, um, barn. There's a man-made channel that kind of sort of like by bi- bisects the, uh, property down to the river, you know, the headwater mm-hmm. is man-made channel. So we got it dammed up, you know, for the ducks and stuff. And I think it was trying to get a drink and I just startled it, you know? So with having 30, with having 30 some years of experience with these things, and you said, mm-hmm. um, to your, to your guess, uh, estimated how many, how many individuals on that property? Over the years, I, I, I'm guesstimating about, 11 or 12. Okay. Now, have you, have they had distinct enough qualities to each individual that you've been able to watch them actually grow over the time that you've, you've been there? Yeah. I, uh, uh, with, uh, junior, he's always made his presence known. He's always made his presence known. He, from the time I had that run in with him when he was, uh, six foot tall, so he's eight foot tall now. Um, um, each individual has, they all have their own different uh, personalities. Mm. Some are more, um, hi, I'm here, you know, or, or the shy type. I tend to think that the, the females are more on the shy side. Mm. The males, you know, just, you know, just each one has a different temperament. Uh, I, there was like two or three males that like throwing, throwing, um, sticks, you know, not at you per se, but just, just let you know they're there. Yeah. You know, um, uh, there's, um, some are more vocal than the others. Um, more, um, um, not, you know, you can hear a whistle now and then. Uh, I can tell that the ones around here like to um, mimic dogs. You know, canine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell that there, there's a uh, there's a place maybe a quarter mile from my house that raises dogs. You know, um, I forgot what breed it is. And when they're barking and so on, you can. And then there's like a solitary one or two in a different part yeah. that's like uh, noticeably different, you know, barking or, or howling or whatever, you know, it's not a, a coyotes because um, I know for a fact that the ones around here will kill coyotes with a passion. Really? You know? Yeah. So yeah. I guess, uh, you know, you know, when they're in the area is when there's no coyote. Yeah. Yeah, if they're not near, then the coyotes move in a little bit, and then they scatter, you know, to the wind, you know, when there's more activity. I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, having having seen these same uh, individuals for so many number of years, um, yeah. have you have you noticed or or paid attention to uh, the growth pattern or or anything that, um, you know, is there is there a can you put an age on any of these? Do you, do you get a feel for Yeah, I can put ages, uh, 
Uh, I know Junior's probably in his, it would be in his 30s. Uh, some of the uh, other males, maybe his father or uncle, uh, are in their 50s or uh, being old age, probably in their 50s. Uh, all the females I've seen, maybe they were in their early to mid-20s, you know, a breeding age. Uh, each one is distinct, uh, the hair patterns, you know, length, uh, the color. Males and females, there's no distinction on the hair length or the color. It's just, you know, they're either darkish brown or black. The, um, the juvies, their hair is, fur is shorter. You know, um, their faces are usually, uh, the males, their, their faces are pretty much, you know, all skin, not, no fur on it. Whereas the uh, females, they tend to have a little bit more fur, you know, up towards the, the when it gets to the base of the, uh, the jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about the skin uh, color? They're, uh, juniors is white. Everybody like, else is brown. Juniors is like Caucasian, like uh, as light yeah, as Caucasian. us. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And the uh, female and all the rest of them are brown. Dark. I, I don't want to say brown, but it's dark, you know. More, more Darker. like in, more like in lines with, say, like Native American, um, yeah, more olive-colored skin. But yeah, n- nothing that's in the in the gray or black or or anything mm-hmm. like that. No, no. Um, I, I, I'm just trying to think for a minute. Um, the ones around here, that's that. Uh, I think there's two distinct family groups now because they've gotten so big because uh, I noticed there was a period of maybe one a couple of years there was hardly any activity you know nothing you know mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden period of probably about 2017 through 2019 there was a new group that came in you know, I think they're the same uh, tribe, but two different family groups. What I think they're doing is just in order to maximize their food resources, one stays, one group, you know, stays on one side, another one stays on another side, and then they just, you know, migrate, you know, one group occupies one area for X number of months and another one group does the same thing. That's, I got the feeling with, when I saw the, uh, the, uh, very young juvie that I think it was a different group because I didn't get the same vibe like I did with, uh, juniors group. Really? Yeah. Juniors group was more like, let's play a game. Uh, whereas the other one was more, you saw us. You didn't see us. You didn't see us. Ignore us. You know. Yeah. Meant you know it wasn't aggressive, but I when I saw that movie, I just didn't want you know anything to do with it. You know, I just didn't. You know, I just said okay, fine. You guys can have the prop back part of the property for a little bit. I'll leave. 
know, I just didn't want. They didn't. They weren't aggressive. They were just. When I saw, it, I said, "Okay, mom and dad's around. Let's play safe and sorry." I didn't get a vibe that they were angry, you know. But at the same time, it just wasn't the same vibe as the other group, you know. That's interesting. You know, they were more. They were more. You know, okay, you see us, no big deal. Um, I could tell you a funny story about um, Junior was when he was I when he became fully adult, and it was uh, summertime, and we mowed back part of the property twice a year. This was when when uh, we had plenty of rain, you know, and food was available. We were uh, putting corn down back before the uh, before the DNR banned it for a while. I was mowing with a push lawnmower. I was down by the uh, by this uh, apple tree at at the end of the uh, man-made channel on the other side of the river. And uh, and he um, came out of nowhere. You know, nonchalantly walked out of the brush, looked at me while I'm mowing. I stopped in my tracks. I was like, maybe say Pardon me. 75 feet, 100 feet from him. He just kept walking, looked at me, and just nonchalantly walked right into the neighbor's property and just disappeared. You know, that's the kind of vibe I'm talking about, you know, with that group. But the other one is more like, you know, stay in the shadows, don't don't get involved with humans, you know. Yeah. But but now, like I said, something changed, you know, from night. Um, with uh, with them coming out of the brush, you know the juvies, the footprints up on top, and the, and that one footprint that I found by the 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 uh, man-made channel right across from the the, uh, the barn, and that was maybe twenty feet, twenty-five feet maximum from the house. You know, uh, from the uh, barn, yeah. So something's changed. You know, I think they're getting a little bit too um, comfortable, this group, or these juveniles. Do you think that that's uh, indicative of the fact that you haven't had any um, uh, aggressive interactions with them? Yeah. Yeah. I I believe it. it, I believe that's the case. I vote. I always believe that if they stay on their side of the river and I stay on my side of the river, you know, without bother, each each group not bothering the other, you know, you know, we can coexist. You know, I don't go after them with a camera and try to take photographs. You know, you know, but I do. You know, they at the same time, see it. Like I said, I think it's the juveniles. You know are the ones that are causing starting to pop up and causing the trouble, you know, you know, I just don't like knowing that if I have to go out down to the barn, if I had to get wood in the middle of the night, you know, during, you know, say like this time of the year, I don't like the field going down there knowing that if I can't see it, they're there, you know? Yeah. And they they have been in my barn once in a while. They took cover. One adult 
long time ago when we rebuilt the the barn where we store our wood and my uh, riding lawnmower and stuff. He uh, he or she was in there taking shelter from a snowstorm, you know, early season snowstorm, and you could smell it, you know, when you go down there. But you didn't; it wasn't in there, you know. Of course, it's it's uh, relatively uh, small barn. I'd say about fifteen feet by ten feet, twelve feet. You know, you know, relatively small. Mm-hmm very tall you could smell a, a very bad stench in there so whether it, it took shelter just for a brief moment while it was bad storm or something and then left but with the juveniles it's just like weird you know i never seen them i've seen them watch the house but never you know get towards the house you know yeah and it's sending off the dogs now. Every every so often they bark at and they look across the channel towards the uh, where we used to have our gardens and stuff, and uh, where there's a pole barn, another pole barn, and they're barking like crazy. And I'm like, I don't I don't see deer, you know. And deer would come out of the woodwork out over there, but you know, when they're barking like crazy, it's more like a you know, territorial growl, you know, barking, you know, it's not barking at deer, you know, so you've never had any problems yeah. with the, with the dogs or any animals yeah. coming up missing from, uh, from we've here. had barn cats for years, you know, um, we had, um, uh, one barn, two barn cats that died of old age, so they're not being bothered, you know, um, uh, I had a pit bull mix dog, Reba, like, uh, the one I, that I was taking down back, you know, the walk around on a leash. When she got a smell of the a scent of them, the Bigfoot that came through sometime during the day, um, she would not cross that scent line whatsoever. She, she would stay next to me and not go any farther, you know. Yeah. You know, and She's seen them before. Um, she, when she was alive, she barked at the juveniles, and that kept them at bay for the longest time. You know, but I think since we got uh, an old elderly uh, miniature dachshund and Anatolian uh, shepherd mixed dog that were taking care of for my other sister-in-law, it, it, I think that's changed. You know, changed them. You know, their patterns. You know, they're not so much afraid of an aggressive dog like Reba when she was alive versus two timid dogs, you know, thinking they're tough and barking at them. Right. Yeah. So Rob, what do you, what do you think, you know, with, with having up close encounters and having dealt with these things on your property for 30 plus years, Mm -hmm. um, where are you at as far as what are they? Are they, are they something closer to us or are they a big dumb animal? My view is they're Gigantopithecus uh, blackie descendants. Uh, I've always believed that. I have a degree in anthropology and paleoanthropology. So um, I believe they are uh, descendants of the, the giant apes 
from the ice age that managed to cross into North America during the last ice age. I don't believe I don't believe in them being uh, interdimensional beings. Okay. I don't believe that. You know, I believe they are animals. They are highly intelligent. You know, I think they're part of the great ape family. And, uh, and my view is they're animals, you know, highly intelligent animals. You know, constantly thinking they, I know they use tools because, uh, primitive tools like a rock, you know, to break open a deer uh, femur or, or something, you know, where to break open, get at the marl, you know, in the bones, you know. Um, they're territorial. They are, uh, if you don't bother them and you respect them, they respect you, you know, the adults will anyway, you know, um, do you, do you notice that, do you notice that the, the younger ones tend to be more wild in their behavior than, than the adults? Yeah. The males are not the females, the females. Like I said, the one female was just, you could see her standing with, in the, uh, just on the brush line on the neighbor's, neighbor's property by the, um, by the, um, cornfield. Um, she just didn't want to, uh, she was just trying to blend in, stay shy, you know, whereas the males, you know, like I said, uh, they're trying to show they got, you know, uh, show they're big and tough and, you know, all that, you know. But I think their uh, adult, their parents are, are uh, alpha male, put them in their place eventually, you know. Yeah. Say, hey, look, don't cause trouble. You know, th- you know, we don't want to be, you know, bothered, you know, with the yahoos around here might shoot us, you know, whatever, you know. So you don't no, see any, you don't see any, beha- you don't see any behavior that would, would lead you to believe that they are something closely related to us as much as they're, no, I don't see it. I don't, uh, biologically speaking, I don't think they are, you know, mm-hmm. they might evolve similar to us, but they're not in the human lineage, you know, so. What about vocalizations? Um, you ever hear any of the, uh, the chatter, uh, that would indicate like a, a type of language or is it more just grunts, howls and grunts, howls, uh, mimic, mimicking. Um, I tried to do whooping and, uh, tree knocking. The tree knocking works occasionally. The whooping tends to, uh, get their attention, but yet they won't vocalize. Uh, um, I've heard grunts. I've heard, uh, the whistles. I've heard, you know, everything that, uh, except for the, uh, the, I, there's no whooping. There's a few, uh, whistles. There's grunts. There's, uh, not the chattering that I've heard on uh, recordings before the, uh, Cascade, uh, from the Cascade, uh, the Sierra sounds. Yeah. The Sierra sound. No, I, I think their, their, their vocalization is completely different east of the Mississippi than it is out west, you know, where there's hardly yeah. humans. 
How do you think what you know with your your degree when you look at when you look at the majority of the population that you have in your area and then you mm-hmm. then you say junior is so much different than than everybody else um yeah what do, what do you make of that abnormality um i think his lineage came from a different group you know you know whether they interbreed with other tribes in the area um um i know there's that uh, from speaking with uh people that i know have seen these creatures before in other parts of the county or in Hillsdale County. You know, each I think they interbreed or are are exchange genetic uh, differences. You know, so I I don't think he's an abnormality. I just think um, he his lineage may have came from another group of uh, you know DNA lineage in the area. Um, and you got to also remember too, uh, that, uh, the, um, there's highways, animal highways along the Southern border of Michigan, five of them I counted. And Ex- explain they what you're talking about. Explain what you're talking about. There. Um, okay. You, you've heard of, uh, cougars coming in the state of Michigan. They're coming from the south. They're not coming from the north. Uh, there's natural highways where the hills, you know, leads animal highways, um, trails uh, uh, where animals can flow back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I mean by that. Uh, I know there's one down by uh, by Coldwater. There's a couple down by Coldwater. I've seen the uh, the lay of the land. I was out there with a friend. Uh, he wanted me to go out and help him, uh, scout an area for him. And I said, this is a natural area. You know, you got all these hills, but yet you got these natural, um, um, between the hills, you could see, uh, a natural flow to it, you know? Um, and I said, well, you probably have cougars coming up through this area. Because, you know, you hear people talking about cougars in this area, too, you know, in my area. Yeah. So, and, um, so they had to come from somewhere. They're coming from the south. With this area being hilly and so on, naturally hilly from the the last ice age, um, there's natural uh, uh, valleys or divots, if you want to call it, that extend for miles. Yeah. They're just using it as a, you know, sort of why go over a hill when you got a natural, you know, um, flat area that, you know, you can, you know, you can cover more ground faster without being, um, you know, you, you can pick off deer or whatever, you know, that's coming in and out, you know. Do you think these things are um, using those, those byways as well? Yeah. Now, in your estimation... Um, and I guess maybe this is a moot point. Um, maybe these things have always been in this area. Yeah, they have been. I, I believe when they set up a territory, that's theirs. You know, 
But do you think they and, came? Uh, do you think they came from the north down, or do you think they came from the south up, or do you just think that they were naturally placed here, um, you know, from hundreds of years past? They've I just think they were there. here. I think they've been here for ages. You know, um, occasionally you get a few migratory groups that come through, but um, I haven't seen that. I think the ones in this area have been here for since uh, before a uh, white man came in yeah. you know, and settled the area. Now I got to ask you this and, and it occurred to me um, earlier today when I was, when I was mm-hmm. thinking about having this conversation with you, if you go to a zoo and, and you can even go on YouTube and find videos of people who have fallen over the walls in a zoo into a, yeah. a gorilla enclosure mm-hmm. and you know, there's one that comes to mind where the, the gorilla actually, and I believe it was a female, went over to the, mm-hmm. the child and, and was not being aggressive at all. And, you know, everybody was scared to death that they were yeah. going to do something to the child, but they didn't. Um, but then there's other been other people who have, you know, gone into cages with wild animals and it they've not fared so well. Yeah. Now, you know, for me, when you start talking about this subject and, and you hear so many reports of people that report them as being more human than animal. And then you have people like yourself who report Mm -hmm. they're more animal than, than anything with you standing six feet away from a, a six foot something, 400 pound estimated weight, wild animal. What does that do to you? What, what, how do you walk away from that? Not just being absolutely changed forever and terrified to go out onto your own property. Now I realize they didn't, they didn't act towards you in an aggressive manner, but you know, people have pit bulls that or or any breed of dog that can be fine for years. And then all of a sudden in a snap of a finger, they can turn and, and, and attack you. Um, what, what is, what is life with, with these things on your property? What has it done to you mentally? And, uh, you know, what it was done to me is I got to keep my eyes open. I got to keep my head on a swivel, especially when I go across the river into the back part of the property. Now I'm starting to, I have to keep my eyes open certain times of the day when I come home now since I I work thirds again. And in the back of my mind I'm wondering what's next to the building, what's what's next to the house, you know what I mean? But I'm not so much worried about the adults. I worry about the juvie males. They're the ones that cause the trouble. And they're the ones that are making themselves known. And I noticed over the 30 years, 30 plus years I've dealt with them, that it comes in cycles. You know, how, how is there's, that? Um, there's years that could be like curiosity. You know, what is these humans doing? You know, why are they on our, uh, on our land? And there's time, uh, years where you get a group of, Juvie males that are just like, you know, 
like little thugs, you know, causing trouble, you know, mayhem, you know, without doing damage or anything, just trying to scare the crap out of you, you know. You know, so um, I think I'm in that cycle again. It happens like every five, six years estimated, you know, the cycle from curiosity to aggressive, passive aggressive, back to, you know, curiosity, you know. I think it all has to do with their, uh, if the if the adults are in the area, you know, if the adults are in the area, they will leave you alone. Because I think they put them in their place. If the adults are not watching them, you know, like any uh, teenagers, they're going to get in trouble, you know, so. Now, like with the adult male that you estimate to be in his 50s. Yeah. Do you see a progression of age, you know, like, uh, in, in the weathering on their face or the, the color yeah. of their hair? Um, yeah. does, would you see that if, if you could go into it somewhat and then I guess to piggyback on that, I'd like to know, um, at 50, 50, 50 plus years old in your estimation of, of this one male, um, when you look at it, when you see it, does it appear to be middle-aged or does it appear to be uh, nearing the end of its life? Uh, is it is it not as virile as, as it may be at one time? I, I guess I'm just trying to get a gauge on. Uh, I, uh, I understand what you're saying. Um, lots of hair. Uh, whether, uh, the, it's not as muscular. Um, arthritic. You can tell it has arthritis. Really? Based on its movements, especially in the knees, the hips, and the feet. It's a lot of weight uh, to be carrying. Yeah. Uh, lost, lost muscle mass, of course. Um, I, it's sort of gray around the top of the head as it's losing, you know, it's starting to get what we call male pat, uh, male pattern baldness. Yeah. Uh, it, it would, you know, once it starts losing hair up there, it starts getting grayer, grayer, grayer. It, it you can see definite lines in the face of old age. Um, you can tell it's been taken care of, you know, by the group. You know, like any, like all primates, they tend to to um, take care of the elderly yeah. if they can. You know, when it gets birds so they just leave them but uh, so they're they're still providing food for them even though they're in a in a in a more incapacitated state yeah yeah um i think the the elderly one but i haven't seen him for a few years i think he passed away all i see is um the uh um uh younger males you know you know and they're 20s, 30s, and 40s, you know. So you you but, think maybe... Uh, when they get in their 40s, they're still looking like they're like in their 20s and 30s. Most massive, bulky, you know, you know, same hair color and everything, but once it, you know, once they get elderly, I think that's when they their health declines, you know, they look like they're declining. Yeah. Uh, arthritis, um, um, when I saw the older elderly one, he had a hard time walking. Um, besides the arthritis, I think he had problems with his feet uh, because he was 
gingerly walking with one uh, on one gingerly uh, favoring one foot over the other, huh. you know, and he wasn't moving very fast. And he wasn't, you know, he, he was just like a slow walk, you know, it was like, you know, I know you see me and I know you're not going to do anything stupid, but <laughs> cut me a break, you yeah. know, mental mentality, you know, but um, I haven't seen him in a few years. So. I think he's gone. I so you think maybe that, that neighborhood of 50 to 60 years is maybe the, the lifespan. Top end, yeah. Yeah. It's like pop end. I think it's a rough life. 30, I mean, 40. Yeah. Especially in this area, when you have farm, you have corn, you have soybean, you got deer, you got rat, you got ducks, you can, you got geese, you can raid the, the, uh, nest, you know, with impunity. Yeah. You know, you got apple trees, you got, you got blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, you know, the whole gambit, you know, you got roots, you got wild, uh, carrots, you know, stuff like that. You know, you got garlic. I know for one thing I I didn't mention was when I mow along the man-made channel, there's like a lot of wild, uh, garlic that drives them crazy. They love this stuff. (laughs) Really? You mow over it, the scent will drive them. You, you you could see uh, like catnip you know, after for Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, catnip for Bigfoot. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and it grows in clumps, but it's like here and there throughout the property. Um, and once you mow mow over it, the next day you can tell they were there. You know, they were what? picking up the uh, picking they, it up or they, they were rolling in it or uh, picking it up. So they eat you know, it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, eat it. You know why? You know the you know when you when you mow over, you can smell the garlic. You know it's like over overwhelmingly pungent. You know, yeah. and then the next day you can see where you did mow, where it uh, shot out from the uh, um, the uh, mow, uh, push mower. Yeah, they, you can see tracks of it that was scooped up. You know. They they love the stuff, you know, but but they got so used to me mowing mowing it over. Why pour it up when it's easier just to scoop it up after I'm done, you know? Yeah. So and during the summertime, they're active day and night. During the wintertime and fall, it's usually done at night. Um, so what's the I've most? I've never seen one. What's the most recent? Uh, encounter or, or activity that you've that had? That was the one by the barn a few weeks ago. That was, that was the most recent one. Uh, I never was afraid going down to the barn. Now I'm a little wary. So yeah, it depends. I don't think it was in a juvie. It was an adult of some kind. I didn't get a good look at if it was male or female. I didn't, it was just dark and you could see a silhouette and just shot, you know, ran, you know, into the brush. Um, you know, it's amazing to me when you, when you talk, you, going back to what you were saying, when it, you, you heard the first couple of steps as it, as it took a walk, took off away from you. But once it got into the brush, it, it was virtually silent, you know, and you hear so many yeah. people talk about their thunderous footsteps and, and being able to feel the ground shake as they're walking Yet, yet that they can move through uh, 
brush that we would have trouble getting through um, with yeah. without a sound. And to me, that's just it's it's such a um, polarizing opposites, you know, based yeah. on based on the size that they are, and you know, it's not like they're yeah. going to be able to squeeze through a tiny space. Um, yeah. yet to be able to, to move silently when they want to, and, and then to, um, to make this thunderous noise when they're wanting to be, um, aggressive and, and to put on a, uh, a show yeah. of force, uh, when they feel threatened is, is pretty amazing feat for these things to, to be able to do. I never felt the ground. I never felt them, uh, the, the the ground when they ran or walked it, it felt like they were just you know just like uh, they just uh, it's just like a human walking you don't feel it you know unless you're in the house you know like I am you know and that's pretty but telling it, to me what, what you're saying is pretty telling to me because to me that's always been you know kind of a fantastical um, aspect to some of these people's reports of them um, mm-hmm. but it, it makes more sense that they would even given, uh, the, the weight discrepancy between us and them, you know, given up three, 400 pounds at, at times, uh, if not more, um, you would still think that they wouldn't, you know, it, it almost seems like a, a supernatural aspect that they would be able to, uh, shake the ground as they, as they walked or thundered through. Um, yeah. you know, I'm not saying I discount I that. Think that's- I think that's where people are getting the idea of them being interdimensional beings, you know, so they can blend into their surrounding, uh, the footsteps and stuff. I think that's where they're getting that idea from. Yeah. And a little bit from the, uh, from the native Americans, you know, for their legends and stuff. But all the ones I've seen and people that I talked to over the years, you know, they they have the same experiences, you know, you know about the about them walking. You can't feel it, you know. Now it's all gra- mostly grass down back, so you don't hear the. If you heard a thump, it'd be on the dirt. Now it's mostly grass over now, you know. After all these years, and uh, it took at least fifteen twenty years to just the grass over like it is now. And they don't make a sound. You know, I think it has to do with the ground. The harder the ground, the harder they're, uh, you can hear them or feel the, uh, they're walking. You know, that's what I've had some of them, um, surprise me when they walk by, you know, and they weren't close enough where I would feel threatened. But at the same time, I didn't hear them yeah. walking. Um, they didn't even make a sound, uh, making any noise. It was just like trying to sneak by, you know, uh, there's Rob, he's mowing down back or <laughs> cutting up a tree. Can't see us or hear us because of the chainsaw. We'll just try to sneak right by him and, you know, ignore the human, you know, because he's, he, you know, he made it possible for them to actually hunt down back or get more food resources, yeah. you know. Uh, so you think that it's and, it, it's more of a symbiotic relationship you guys have? I, I guess one of the questions I, I was going to ask you was uh, as far as other than that other than that one deer carcass that you took out back and and left out there, 
Um, have yeah. you have you done anything that would be considered in the realm of gifting to these things or, or made a... Uh, we've uh, baited before. We baited uh, um, corn and stuff, and I know I know the deer, you know, if you do it in the morning after the deer come through, and if you go back down there mid-afternoon, some of it would be gone. And you could see, like, little scoops, you know, hand scoops, you know. Oh really? Uh, uh, apples. Uh, we we put apples down back during the summertime, you know, just to get the deer interested in coming through. Yeah. Um, I've seen apples disappear. Um, we had a. I cut down this one tree, and we had a rock. I found a rock near the the stump, and. I moved. I kept moving it because I was using a push lawnmower at the time, not a rider. And uh, and suddenly, no one was down back. I was the only one down back, you know, keep keeping the grass and stuff knocked down and checking on the property. And somehow, the rock somehow ended up on the stump. It wasn't me that did it. Oh, really? So it was, yeah. Um, uh, you you can tell. Um, uh, I noticed um, on some of the cedar trees, like something just took their hand and just drilled hole. And it wasn't a wasn't um woodpeckers or anything like that on those trees, but you could see a certain pattern on some of the trees. You know, going straight down. You know like holes, you know, in like um, actual lines of holes, like going straight across all the way down the tree. Really? You know, it didn't kill the tree, you know what I mean? But it was just like a marker, you know. What about structures? You you talk about markers. Any kind of, any structures that you've noticed on the the property, you know, that you hear about so much in, in so many of these other reports? I've never seen any structures. I've, uh, I have not seen any structures when we was clearing out the property to make it into a woodland. But one tree a few years ago was bent over, literally. It was a maybe a two or three, uh, three or four inch diameter tree. Um, it was a maple. It was bent over. It wasn't snapped or anything. You could see it was just, you know, pulled bent over into an arc. The, yeah, that was the only time I've ever seen something. But I've always assumed that the on the the uh, two um, cedar trees I have, um, I thought those were the markers. You know, I always thought those were markers. Huh. I always I believe also that they use the uh, uh, those apple trees I have down back. They're they used to be domesticated. Now they're wild. Uh, we didn't plant them there, uh, animals or something, you know, Yeah. Drop, uh, dropping created the tree. Anyways, I always thought the apple trees were the markers, you know what I mean? Because, you know, they, they were in areas where, oh, one apple, massive apple tree is at the end of the channel and it overlooks the lake. You know, there's another one that a few yards down from it, 
it, it marks the trail that we made. Mm-hmm. You know, another one is this is a good hiding place during during uh, hunting deer. You know, you get what I'm saying. There's, yeah. there's, you know, and and there are food sources, so it's not like you know, it's not like you know they're just there. You know, I think they use the apple trees down back. And my hypothesis is they use apple trees as markers, you know, without scarring them up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know where the apple tree is. At least on your property. Yeah, on my property. Uh, And I've seen it. uh, Some friend of mine took pictures of what he thought. I said, yeah, that's a marker probably. You know, did you see any footprints around it? He said, yeah. But there's your marker, you know. A marker as a guidepost, you know. Instead of spending you know, making, um, making, um, um, those, um, I call them TPs or whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. them, you know, um, they use and to make themselves less known, you know, mm-hmm. in the area. Right. They use certain less, things less that, conspicuous. Uh, yeah. So before we started recording, you mentioned something about having, uh, um, having had, uh, some research groups come out there in the past and mm-hmm. we, we specifically don't want to get specific about where you live yeah. because you, yeah. you, or you discourage, um, you don't want things getting riled up again. Uh, can you, yeah. can you go into, um, if, if you want to, uh, even name what group came out, if, if you'd like, if not, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, uh, I'm not going to name names. Uh, I haven't talked to the group in a long time so i'd rather not name the name um but what what kind of things uh, got stirred up when they they were out there um uh they don't like strangers they'll they'll if they don't know the per uh group that uh walks around takes photographs and stuff and and it just it makes them riled up as in they get a little um they get angry at me at uh, at that one time they did not like um strangers in their area if they don't know you or know the humans in the area Mm -hmm. they get a little uh they will uh throw sticks in the brush uh sometimes a growl or two you know so saying you uh violated our you know agreement or whatever you know what yeah. we have you know so i i don't uh you know if i'm going to investigate them i better do it myself you know yeah. you know it's safer that way for everybody i don't you know i don't know how this other group is i rather prefer not to antagonize them if i can you know yeah. how do you think they would Bad react enough? How do you think they would react if you would um, kind of make a change of course and start showing uh, a, a, a large degree of interest in them? You know, if you were to start going out and trying to take photographs of them, or if you were to start uh, kind of trying to track where where they're uh, originating from and where they're going to, yeah. what do you think? What do you think? Any ramifications, or do you think they'd just think you were being a pest? I, they think I would be a pest. I did it in the past. Um, 
early on when I, I first noticed the, the um, activity, I put deer cameras up, you know, deer game tracker cameras. Uh-huh. They would avoid those areas. I, I put them in areas where I knew they were coming through. They would avoid them. Um, they would, um, they just, just stayed away and just, I've had one get knocked down. You know, you didn't see it. They were behind the camera and they just ripped it down without seeing a hand or anything. Yeah. You know, so the straps were basically ripped, ripped right off. They took the camera and just ripped the strap right off it without, uh, getting a picture taken of them. Um, they know, they know that I know where they're coming in and out. Of, you know what their migration patterns are down back. Yeah. Um, just they just follow the deer patterns. You know, you know during during the day uh, daytime they head from north to south, and then in, at in the evening is south to north. You know, um, depends on the season. If the the farmers are have a corn to be harvested it's west to east or east to west you know it all depends on what's going on so at the end of the day rob having mm-hmm. having dealt with these for 30 plus years um yeah. if you had your druthers would you do you feel in some way your life has been uh better for the experience or would you have been happy to not have had this experience at all? I think I, I was happy to have the experience, to tell you the truth. I've always was interested in Bigfoot. I never got to see them when I was living up at Higgins Lake, which is another hot spot. Mm. Nobody ever talked about Higgins Lake, between Higgins, North, North Higgins Lake and the uh, Grayling area. That's one big hot spot. I lived there for a few years. And I was I was always interested in it. You know, I read the book when I was younger. You know, and I was always interested in it. I always wanted to see one. And then after I experienced my thirty plus years, you know, but then I said, okay, I'm better for it now. You know, whether or not, you know, that activity starting to pick up again. You know, with the juvies, but um, overall, you know, I think I'm much better. They watch over me. You know when. You know, I feel the adults are watching over me, you know, when I'm down back. Really? You know, yeah. Because of, uh, of all the, uh, the mounting population of coyotes and, and maybe a, the cougar settings around here, I think they're more interested in keeping me, you know, letting me. They don't want to know. trade you in quite yet. <laughs> no, no. Um, to tell you the truth, I can tell you they're, they um they rather have me down back keeping the land where they could you know easily access go from one side of you know travel through you know eat whatever they need to eat you know mm-hmm. hunt whatever they want to hunt and, and you're basically not just, not an obstacle for them at all no i'm not an obstacle no no um, like I keep telling, I like, I keep saying about the neighbors, you know, the farmers, he's an obstacle. He, uh, 
he he and I had a beef where he uh, put a barbed wire across the the property line, mm-hmm. one strand of barbed wire. He had a cattle. Uh, he had post that was uh, that cattle couldn't uh, break. You know. Yeah. Two years ago, after uh, our bad winter, I went down back of the seven posts that he put in with the barbed wire. Five of them were snapped, literally snapped. Really? I think the I think the Bigfoots were sending a clear and present message to the the neighbors, and they were displeased with that. Yeah. So I, I, uh, nipped the, uh, barbed wire, got rid of it, got rid of the post, you know, and everything. And there was no more activity like that ever again, you know? So As I it, think speaking of neighbors, have you had conversations with any of the other neighbors? Do they, no. uh, do they talk about any experiences or anything like that with them? No, <clears throat> I, I tried with the neighbor that, uh, is the closest uh, south of me, but he, he laughed it off saying, oh, you're just making it up, you know. You know, even though he's an avid hunter, he cleared some of his back area so he can go hunting, you know. Yeah. But I don't think any of them really knows what's going on. There's a few people around here that does, but uh, they don't want to be labeled as a, a coot or a yeah. um, or whatever you know yeah but i i i i what i've seen here in in waterloo recreational area (laughs) you can't deny it you know they're there you know they're in force you know they're around us you know is it frustrating for you is it frustrating for you to to know the the truth of of their existence and and why why is there such a a polarizing um community you know as far as the the disagreement whether they exist or not or you know are they people are they animals i i I don't i i don't feel like you know you know i don't feel like uh that at all um to give you an example um my father-in-law i said i told him one time i said when he was able to go hunting and so on I said, have you ever seen anything odd down back and he says you're talking about those damn bigfoots again and i said yeah but you could see in his eyes he's he's seen them you know yeah but you know what comes out of his mouth is deny you know yeah I think that's what's going on in this area. You know, people see them; they don't want it to be labeled, or even if they do say something, they don't want any specific people they will talk to. You know, right? Um, I I think a lot of, there's a lot more people that seen these creatures around here than than just me. I I um. You know, there's too much, you know, when somebody shoots a deer and, you know, and they drop it and they know where they drop it and then they walk out there and it's gone, you know. Yeah. Or even roadkill, for example. 
uh, down the road that I live on is notorious for deer getting hit by deer, uh, cars and trucks. Yeah. Certain times of the year, you see a lot of carcasses. You know, they're fresh killed. They're mangled and stuff. And there's no coyotes or anything feeding on them. All of a sudden, a couple hours later, when you go by it, you know, they're gone. You know, you can see them being dragged up, you know, in the snow. Um, I think that's uh, a cycle. If there's not enough food, they will, the Bigfoots will venture towards the road, see if the, the carcass is viable. If it is, you know, take it. If not, leave it. You know. Yeah. Uh, this year, I think they there's plenty enough food for them. They have not touched any carcasses hmm. at all. The ones I've along the, uh, the road that I traveled working back. Interesting. Yeah. Um, they're not shy about crossing the roads. I know that. Uh, to give you an example, um, there's a um, the main road that goes up to uh, the expressway to 94. It's a divided highway. One winter time, you can see footprints in the median. It's like a wide median. Deep snow. No human could walk it because it was so deep. You could see like something walked across it. Mm. I didn't want to stop because of traffic and and I didn't want to get stopped by a police officer, which is notoriously they go down that road for yeah. looking for speeders. So I I can tell you that they love looking around the uh, roads and highways for roadkill if they could get it. During the wintertime. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, this year they didn't because of lack of snow. Um, probably a high density of deer and other animals. So, you know, they didn't really need to feed on carcasses this year. Yeah. You know? And no sense in pulling exposure by being out and in the open. Exposure because uh, with the farm, farm, farmer's fields and so on, they have like, Brush and trees, you know, go, you know, ringing the the field and along the road. So they kind of like use that as a natural um, uh, walkway along the road. And if they see something, grab it and then drag it up. You know, yeah. I one time, what was it? A few years ago was when we we that uh, disease that nearly wiped out all the deer herd here in where I live. Um, there was a one carcass and uh, on uh, the road off on the side you can see where a Bigfoot basically got on his stomach and you can see the depression grabbed uh, it looked like it grabbed a roadkill and just dragged it over the uh, firm into the field. You know, I didn't stop because I slowed down because I wanted to check it out. I didn't get out of the car because because of the traffic, but 
I slowed down enough and pulled to the side where you could see how it was dragged up and over that one year. Um, That was, I'm just letting you know, because that's how they operate around here. You know, they, they, you know, if it's uh, needed, uh, they can't hunt because of the deer population is down. They'll resort to um, taking low kill if they had to. And again, that's a that's a confirmation that uh, they are an opportunistic mm-hmm. hunter and feeder, and uh, yeah. the path of least resistance. If they can, if they can get an easy meal, they'll take it. So, yeah. what about um, before I let you go? Um, throughout your 30 years with these things on your property, have you noticed, um, has the majority of your sightings been ground-based? Have they always been on the ground, or have you noticed any uh, arboreal behavior of them being in the trees? Uh, 95% of the time, they, uh, they're ground-based. Mm-hmm. I think it's the juveniles that will be uh, very young juveniles who go in the tree. I I can't confirm what I saw in this uh, oak tree on neighbor's property. But I swear I saw something that, um, like a childlike figure in a, in a high up in the tree. But I can't I don't know if my eyes were playing trick. It was during the summertime so you know, it could be in shadows and so on in the yeah. trees, but it looked awfully like looked like something was sitting there hiding in the trees. You know, yeah. tree, tree canopy. But, um, but I think, uh, like I said, ninety five percent of what I've seen was on the ground. You know. Well, Rob, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day and uh, spending the last hour and a half with me. Uh, some very interesting stuff and uh, uh, truly I thank you for sharing your story with us you're, you're welcome um, I hope I helped somebody uh, realize that they're not the only property owner that has this kind of stuff you know uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure hearing uh, at least from the standpoint of somebody who you know you, you've you've dealt with some nuisances uh, from it, but no, uh, no direct threats or house slappings or you know peering nope, in the windows. I never had a house slap. You know, uh, it's it's always good to hear uh, from the standpoint of somebody who's not um, feeling threatened uh, uh, on a regular basis by these things. That uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know some some stories they, they tend to go uh, a, a little bit darker and um, yeah. you know people are having darker experiences with these things mm-hmm. um, it's good to hear that you're you're living somewhat in uh, harmony with them and uh, it's it's not been an issue for you so I appreciate your time and thank you again so much uh, no problem if you have any uh, any current uh exciting things to talk about please let me know and uh, okay. we'll get you back on again it's been an absolute okay. pleasure sir same here Chris. thank you I want to hear your story 
I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.